welcome to Biblical Tapestry. This is podcast season two, episode seven, the book of Daniel, the dream revealed and astonishing prophecy. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this seventh episode of the book of Daniel, chapter two, Daniel, having been given the nature of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its interpretation from God, now explains the dream to the king, and we see an astonishing prophecy of accuracy and death. All right, Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 31. Your majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. The head of the statue was pure gold, its chest and arms were silver, its stomach and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron, and its feet were partially iron and partially fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay, and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer crushing floors. The wind carried them away, and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Your majesty, you are a king of kings. The God of the heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live, or wild animals, or birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you there will rise another kingdom, inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. A fourth kingdom will be strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything, and like iron that smashes it will crush and smash all the others. You saw the feet and toes, partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw the iron mixed with clay and that the toes of the feet were partially iron and partially fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay, the peoples will mix with one another but will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation reliable. All right, back to verse 31. Your majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. So here Daniel, before the king, is explaining the king his dream, which he never told anyone about. Or what it was all about and explains it to him and what God had revealed to Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's dream was enormous statue we don't know how large it was but we can get a hint that 
the later gold statue built by Nebuchadnezzar was based on this dream, and that structure was 90 feet tall. The statue was of a size and dazzling in appearance enough to frighten Nebuchadnezzar, the reason why he wanted this dream interpreted so badly. We see the statue is made of various materials, and those will be reflected in the prophecy that Daniel is revealing. Verse 32, the head of the statue was pure gold, its chest and arms were silver, its stomach and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron, and its feet were partially iron and partially fired clay. The head of the statue was pure gold, the chest and arms were silver, then bronze for the stomach and thighs, then iron for the legs, followed by feet that were partially clay and partially iron. What to notice is that each of the parts became less valuable and less impressive. Baked clay would be extremely weak and subject to easy destruction. Verse 34, As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay, and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away, and not even not a trace of them could be found. For the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So as the king watched his this colossal statue, something extraordinary happened. A supernatural occurrence, a rock hurled from an unseen power, strikes the feet and shatters the iron and clay mix at the feet of the statue. The entire statue then falls and shatters into a powder that the wind can carry away. Nothing is left. I think this too would have concerned the king greatly. The rock was supernaturally thrown and destroys the statue, and we see in verse 44 through 45, this great rock is coming is the coming kingdom of God. God's kingdom will develop into a huge mountain, a universal dominion. We see in other scripture the kingdom of God becoming the everlasting kingdom that Christ's second coming establishes. We see that in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1, the vision that Isaiah son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it, and many peoples will come and say, Come, let us up, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up the sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. Well, that's comforting in today's world. And the same prediction is repeated in Micah chapter 4. So, on this statue, what do all these elements mean? Verse 36. This was the dream... Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Notice that Daniel says that we will tell the king the interpretation. The only we was Daniel and his God, Yahweh. There is no evidence that Daniel's three friends were present. The statue we see was a representation of the four great Gentile empires. 
there is some disagreement on those kingdoms, we will take the path that most scholars, most scholars see, and the Bible seems to back up the present and future kingdoms. Verse 37, Your Majesty, you are a king of kings. The God of the heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live or wild animals or birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. How flattering. But the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar enjoyed was not his. It was given to him by the sovereign God. Nebuchadnezzar had this vast domain that he ruled, but it was not his. He would be reminded of this later in a very dramatic fashion. Nebuchadnezzar, as the king, was the representation of the Neo-Babylonian Empire, the statue's head of gold. We know that Nebuchadnezzar would rule for 43 years, and after his death, the great Babylonian Empire would only last 23 more years and then be gone from the earth. This great empire expired after 66 years. Verse 39, After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. Another kingdom will rise after the Neo-Babylonian collapse, an inferior kingdom being the Persian-led empire by Cyrus the Great. The silver chest and arms are representative of this empire. The Medo-Persian dominance would continue for approximately 208 years, from 539 to 331 BC. This kingdom is detailed in chapter 7 and 8, represented as a bear and then a two-horned ram. How was this kingdom inferior to the Neo-Babylonian? Well, certainly not in size, as it controlled more area than Babylon. There has to be something more, and that pertains to the moral decay of blasphemy, cruelty, and evil that grow in each subsequent kingdom. Some think that this second kingdom is divided between Media and Persia, and representative of silver and the bronze of the statue that would end with the Greek Empire. But the Median Empire that they cite was never a world power, and Cyrus is clearly the conqueror of Babylon. Media and Persia were a united empire. The third kingdom of bronze would be then the empire that followed the Medo-Persian Empire, and that would be the Greek Empire. In 332 BC, Alexander the Great marched against the Medo-Persians and defeated them in a series of decisive battles and dominated the world for the next 185 years from 331 to 146 BC. Verse 40, A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything, and like iron, that smashes, it will crush and smash all the others. And what kingdom shattered and crushed everything, including the Greek Empire? Well, that would be the Roman Empire. The images of legs of iron represented the Roman Empire. Rome had tremendous power over the known world. Romans ruled with an iron hand and an iron club from defeating the Greeks at Carthage in 146 BC. There would be an eastern remnant of Roman Empire that would actually last all the way to 1453 AD. 
The last Western Empire, or emperor, ruled until 476 AD. Daniel is given additional views of this future in later chapters, and you will be amazed by the detail that has been fulfilled. Verse 41, you saw the feet and toes partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw the iron mixed with clay, and that the toes of the feet were partially iron and partially fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong, and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay. The peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. If the fourth empire of iron is Rome, who are the feet and toes? Well, obviously there is some disagreement here, but was this a further illustration of ancient Rome or a new and different empire? Could this be an empire yet to rise that is coming in the last days? Perhaps the rock that fills the earth and smashes the statue can help us know. We know that the rock is the kingdom of God. Is this the spiritual kingdom in the hearts of believers today or... Is it Christ's physical return and reign on earth immediately following Christ's second coming? If the rock that fills the earth is representative of Christ's second coming, then the feet of iron and clay represent an empire of that day. If so, it is not the ancient Roman Empire. However, with partial iron feet connected to the iron legs, there must be a connection to ancient Rome. This could be people and nations that would have made up the ancient Roman Empire. Daniel chapter 7 informs us that Christ will return during the final fourth empire, so we will review the statue's feet as representative of the last empire when Christ returns. What we know is that this, this is a divided kingdom as iron and clay do not mix well. It seems this empire is some kind of federation rather than a single entity empire. Obviously powerful as the iron signifies, but again brittle, all the same because of the separate cultures perhaps and identities of the federation that makes up this empire. Toes are mentioned here, uh, perhaps a confederation of ten kingdoms, as we see that in the vision in chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 23 that there is a fourth beast says, this is what he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It would devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. But ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another king, different from the previous one, will rise after them and subdue three kings. Well, ten kingdoms will make up this final empire, ruling jointly just prior to Christ's return. We see this Ten Kingdom Confederacy in the book of Revelation. Revelation 13 verse 1 says, And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten crowns, and on its heads were blasphemous names. In Revelation 17 12 it says, The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose and they will give their power and authority to the beast. The number 10 in the Bible could also be representative of completeness and not specifically 10 kingdoms. However, I don't see any reason to not take this literally. 
So shortly before the second coming of Christ, a coalition of unequaled strength will unite from the ruins of the ancient Roman Empire. The Antichrist then will rise from that coalition. Verse 44 says, In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired place, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation reliable. So here is the climax of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This great rock that smashes the feet of the statue and grows to a giant mountain will be the kingdom of God. This kingdom will never cease or be destroyed like all the others. God himself will establish this kingdom. This will be the indestructible and eternal kingdom of God. This will be the earthly reign of Christ that will be before or during the thousand years of the millennium period usher in the eternal state. Christ reigns now, especially in the hearts of believers. But this is a coming earthly reign of Christ. When Christ arrives with the angels of heaven, all the earthly evil empires, like the fallen statue, will be swept away. God had told Nebuchadnezzar, for our benefit, what would happen in the future. The dream is certain, and the interpretation is reliable. I again hope you enjoy this season two study in the book of Daniel. I hope this study today was a comfort to you. Perhaps you need to be part of God's kingdom now. Next episode eight in chapter two, we will look at Nebuchadnezzar's response to Daniel's understanding of his dream and its interpretation. God bless you and take care.